0: Isaiah the 32nd chapter in the second verse if you have it say amen If you looked at the screen just now say amen In a man shall be as in hiding place from the wind and a covert from the tempest as rivers of water in a dry place as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land Tonight with the help of the Holy Ghost I preach on this subject, the refuge of a king, the refuge of a king. Would you lay your Bibles down, lift your hands, your voices and your hearts unto the Lord as high as you can, as loud as you can. And would you begin to praise him and magnify him? Oh, God, we give you glory in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. There is no subject that is spoken in such magnificent terms or in such exalted style by the Old Testament prophets as that of the Messiah. The prophets of old caught a glimpse of of what was to come, and spoke of it with great rejoicing. However, they did not fully grasp, nor did they fully comprehend it, but they searched diligently to understand it. They were faithful to share, and under the unction of the Holy Ghost, what God had revealed to them, and they strained against the veil with a hunger to understand what had not yet been revealed to them. Peter said of them in 1 Peter 1 and verse 10 through 12, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. Inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that now have been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. If we look at the Old Testament, the theme of the Messiah is woven all throughout it. From Genesis to Malachi, the prophets searched and inquired of the Lord and the angels look, long to look into it. Can I pause for a moment and tell you tonight that what you have felt, what you possess, what you search for is something that angels can never experience. They will never experience what it feels like to be born in sin and shapen in iniquity. To live a life that is opposite of the way of God. And to step into an altar and lift their hands and say, God, I'm sorry. And the Lord forgive those sins. They will never understand what it's like to step into a watery grave with the weight of the world and the burden of sin upon your back that you didn't even know you carried and you got down in that water and a preacher or somebody said I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins and when you came up out of that water I don't know how it was for you but it felt like the whole world had been taken off my shoulder angels don't know what it's like to speak in another language that is not what which we have learned but angels look into it that's why the bible says angels rejoice over one sinner that repents why do they rejoice because they want to experience it but they never can you want to get up at some point in time in your life and thank God that you have experienced the death the burial and the resurrection because what you have the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away (laughs) nowhere nowhere Is that theme more prevalent or more wondrously expounded upon than in the writings of the book of Isaiah? One could choose from a multitude of texts within his book and preach about our wonderful Lord and Savior. As many know, at Christmas time, they preach the scripture. It's mentioned often, and they shall call him Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You could preach a various uh, sermons based upon Isaiah's writings, but the text before us tonight is one of those such passages. Isaiah in all of his prophecies concerning the coming Messiah declares that he will be a king who reigns in righteousness. Isaiah 32 verse 1, Isaiah writes about a king, but in Chapter 33 in verse 17, he calls him the king. By the time you get to verse 22, Isaiah pins it this way. He is our king. This is the one who is the Messiah. He is our king. That means he's a personal God. That means that whatever you're going through in your life, whatever you're dealing with at this very moment, God knows about it. There is nothing new under the sun by which comes into your life that God cannot handle, that God cannot take you to. Let me tell you, if God brought you to it, his grace is going to take you through it. but in in Isaiah 32 and 2 that has captured my attention here, we see our king as not a king that sits upon a throne, but as a refuge. We are told by Isaiah that a man shall be as a hiding place, as rivers of water and as a shadow of a great rock. There is a particular emphasis in the words a man. Isaiah by this reference is very pointedly referencing the incarnation and declares that God the king of all ages will become a man. And becoming a man he will become our refuge. He will be a hiding place from the storm, he will be a river of water for the thirsty and a shadow of refuge for the weary. That's my king. Huh. Isaiah first begins to assimilate the Messiah to a hiding place. He declares that he will be the place to which his people flee in the times of danger and trouble. The idea conveyed is that when one looks to the horizon and sees a great and terrible storm brewing its way, that they run to a place of shelter and refuge because Jesus is the Messiah. It's the same kind of shelter, the same kind of refuge that those that put their trust in him may come to find out. I want you to hear me tonight for those that are under the sound of my voice and those that are watching by the way of the Internet, that you can put your trust in Jesus Christ. No matter what comes your way, you can put your hand in his hand and say, lead me, Lord, I'll follow I don't know about you. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tough looking guy. I, I think I am. But I don't like storms. And my family really doesn't like. I'm not going to tell it's my wife, but my, I'm not going to tell you that it's her that doesn't like storms. But we don't like storms. We were living in Honeyburg one time, and I, I don't mind tornadoes and stuff at night. I can see it coming. I can run. Or get in the car and drive. One of the two. Getting the car is probably going to be faster than me running. <laughs> and there was a tornado. The sirens were going off. It was about ten forty-five at night. And my, <laughs> I love her. You know I love you. <laughs> and the sirens were going off, and my kids were little, and my wife got nervous, and I saw her jump out of bed frantically. She grabbed pillows. She's grabbed five hundred blankets. I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, kids, get in the bathtub. Get in the bathtub now. So there we are. The signs, the sirens are going off. My, I hear the bathroom door and My kids are in the bathtub. My wife's in the bathtub. And I've got the screen door opened up listening and watching the wind. And my wife's in the bathtub with the echo of the shower where I do my best singing. Going, Tim, get in here. Damn, you hear the sirens, there's a tornado coming. you got to get in here. This is the safest place for you. Stop looking at the wind. Stop listening to the sirens and get where there's shelter. Can I tell somebody today, get your eyes off of the storm and get your eyes on the place of refuge. Stop wondering where the wind's coming from. Stop wondering how much rain is going to fall and what destruction may come and get to the place of shelter. You want to know where your shelter is you're sitting in it you're standing in it it's in the house of god there's help in this house there's hope in this house somebody shout yes the idea conveyed tells us that jesus christ is that refuge in the time of trouble he is my hiding place he is my safe room he is my shelter from the storm when there's more bills than there is money when there's more more insurance than there is health he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother he's a father to the fatherless he's my God he knows who I am he knows where I am and he knows what I can take and what I can do in him you got to have confidence in yourself tonight that what god has deposited into your spirit is greater than any storm that comes in your life see the great thing about a shelter is however furious the storm may be however torrential the rain is the man who has a hiding place is safe from the storm The storm may blow, the tempest may rage, but my... My hiding place is a sure and certain shelter that provides a shield from the effects of the storm. I know this seems like a very simplistic idea of a sermon tonight. And I hope tonight that you will grasp the idea that there is in Jesus Christ an abundance of peace and an abundance of safety for those who are in fear and danger. There is a reliable shelter from the raging tempest of your life. It is Jesus Christ. Christ you know what I feel this in the Holy Ghost you want to know what the greatest struggle of the modern day apostolic Pentecostal is it's not drugs it's not alcohol it is anxiety it is depression we don't like to talk about that because we as Pentecostals we believe that if once you receive the Holy Ghost everything is all right can I tell you the Holy Ghost is not a fixer-upper It gives you guidance. It gives you power that when you fall on your face and you pray to the almighty God, it gives you strength in the places that you are weak. It's all right to struggle. It's all right to be in a storm as long as you run to the place where there is help. You don't have to to hide in the fear of anxiety and depression. The Bible says, come out. You come out with your hands up and say, If God be for me, who can be against me? There's nobody like Him. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be afraid of. The God of your salvation is still your peace. He's still your strength. He's still your safety. Ah. You can mark it down on this day, February 2nd. Storms will come. You're in three stages of your life. You're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're fixing to go into a storm. And when your storm comes, don't say, woe, it's me. I've always been told. I remember Pastor Hunley would tell me, it's all right that you're struggling. It's all right you're, you were homeless sleeping in your truck. I'm like, say what? He goes, it's all right, Brother Barber. Because as long as you're in a storm, you know that you've got something on the inside. <laughs> as long as I got something on the inside, the outside's going to work on its own. So when you're in a storm and you're facing all of hell and all the demons and all the ifs, you just lift your hands toward heaven and you lift your voice and say, Thank God that I've got a Savior that trusts me enough that whatever storm he puts me on, he's got enough faith in me that I'm not just going to die in my dilemma, but I'm going to step out and say, God, I'm coming to where you are. Come on, give him some praise right now. Matthew 5 and 45 declares, The Lord maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Here's what Mark Twain said. We talk about Mark Twain a lot. You hear a lot of quotes, but maybe we don't like this one. The rain is for, is famous for falling on the just and unjust alike. But if I had the management of such affairs, I would rain softly and sweetly on the just. But if I caught the unjust outdoors, I would drown him. I'm glad that my God is not a respecter of persons. I'm glad that God doesn't care what I've been through, how many times I messed up, that I can find my place at the altar. There's no greater feeling in the world than when it seems like your world is collapsing. When everything is coming against you and all I have... I don't even have to make it into the building, elders. I just have to pull on the parking lot and know everything's going to be all right. Because I know as long as I've got the church, I've got a God. I just don't need the house of God. I need the God of the house. And that wherever His Spirit is, there is liberty. Hmm. Isaiah did not say that the Messiah would remove the danger of all storms or take away the tempest, but rather the verse pretty much ensures that there is coming storms and the winds will blow. There are going to be hard times in this life. There are, there's, there is going to be trouble and chaos. I wish I had some honest two or three people that say, go ahead, my friend. <laughs> Turmoil is going to invade your life. It's not all rainbows and lilies and, and mountaintops. There are valleys in the kingdom of God. But it's the valley where you gain your strength. It's in the valley where you gain your courage. That's why David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. It's in the valley when you feel like you're about to die that you need to be encouraged because goodness and mercy are coming behind you. Oh, y'all ain't got it. I'm telling you, whatever you're going through, you may be down in a valley looking at the mountaintop, but be encouraged. Mercy and grace is carrying you to the top. From time to time, storm winds blow, but the promise is that he will be a refuge in the storm. He will be a shelter that you can run to. He will be the one that overshadows you and hides you from the fury of the storm that rages around you. I can't promise you tonight that there will never be any bad days. I can't promise you tonight that there will be no more storms. But I can point you to a hiding place. I can declare to you tonight that there is one that longs to shelter you from the storm. How terrible would it be to go through life storms on your own when there is a shelter and a refuge that you can turn to? I want you to know and hear me tonight that God wants to be everything you need him to be in your life. You want to know what God wants from you? He wants you to know that he is a hiding place. That he's a place of safety that you can come to and you can lay it all on the altar and you can be who you are because God is not looking for performers. God is not looking for professionals. God is looking for the humble. God is looking for people that simply say I need God. I need a place where I can put my face in the carpet and I can be honest with myself and honest with God and God will come to me as his sweet presence comes over me and I know that everything's going to be alright no matter what storm comes you can rest in his arms no matter what trouble rises you can take shelter and peace and comfort in knowing that he watches over you he never sleeps he never slumbers you might hear the rush of the wind you might feel the rumble of thunder but safe in your hiding place the wind loses its fury and the thunder loses its strength. According to Isaiah, this is one of the ministries of the Messiah that Jesus came to be that hiding place. He gave a faithful promise, a promise that he will not break. That you can find a refuge in the storm, a shelter from the tempest. I don't know if you know it, but the Lord is in this house tonight. He's calling us out of our storms. He's saying, come to me. Come out of the storm. Come to a place of refuge. Because I am your refuge. I am the rest wherein the weary shall rest. Deuteronomy 33, 26. There is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, which means Israel, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help and in his excellency of the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. I want to join in the voice of Isaiah tonight and to declare to you 2,000 years ago in a manger in Bethlehem, a man was born that was so much more than just any man in his life and death. It's in his burial and resurrection that we find the shelter of all shelters, the refuge of all refuges from every storm in our life. Because he has everlasting arms to hold us. David said in Psalm 56, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. David said, I only thing I know, I've I've fought bears, I've fought lions, I've fought giants, but this I know, if I have trust in God, everything's going to be all right. Psalms 20 and 6 says in the NIV version, Now this I know. I love that. It's not just a statement that, that just carries on with the rest of the paragraph or the verse, but it's a statement. Now this I know. What do you know? The Lord gives victory to His anointed. He answers from his heavenly sanctuary with victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we, we trust in the name. Ah, oh, there's something about it. When I call on his name, when I shout the name Jesus, everything else comes together. What is chaos comes to order, but we, shall trust in the name of the Lord. See, the nation of Israel came to a point, as many of you have. God was delivering them out of Egypt, and and they come to a point in their life. They come to the Red Sea, and God tells Moses, lift up your rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea. And Moses is like, sweet, this is awesome, watch this. That was my singing trick. Okay. See, my joke didn't work. I should have just stayed to preaching. God said, you're going to walk through on dragon. Watch this, Moses. I'm about to perform a miracle in your life. Something that's never been done, but here's what he says. Oh, and I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians. (laughs) I'm going to make it harder. And they're going to follow you. All the way down, the Egyptians are going to get so mad because I'm delivering you. But watch this. He says, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. (laughs) Here's what verse 19 says. And the angel of God went before the camp of Israel and removed and went behind them. (laughs) And the pillar of the cloud went before them and stood behind him. You want to know what that means? God said, I've got your front and I've got your back. That whatever you're facing, whatever's coming on your left and on your right and behind you, I've got fire by day and I've got a cloud by night. I am the Lord. I am your Jehovah. That whatever you're going through, I'm going to supply it because you trust me with your life. No matter what, God has your don't you touch a neighbor and tell him God has your back. Oh, come on, somebody. I wish you'd tell them like you really mean it. God has my back. <laughs> Isaiah begins to compare the Messiah to rivers of water in a dry place. This is an allusion to the deserts of the Middle East, hot and dry Temperatures. One may travel there many days and see no sign of a river or any evidence of a refreshing spring. There is nothing there but miles and miles of hot desert sand and cruel, torturous sun. It's what we're all longing for in this winter time. Good news is the groundhog's seen a shadow. There is nothing there. It was the kind of place where a traveler might be consumed with thirst. And that's exactly what happened. To a wandering Israel in the barren wilderness they were weak and weary because there was no water. But Christ was typified then as he is now by Isaiah as a rock from which flows a river of refreshing. The man who turns, he turns to Jesus, is this dry weary land. Will find a river of cool refreshing water to quench a thirsting soul. There is in Christ. A provision for the satisfaction and contentment of the needy and thirsty soul. He shall be as rivers of water in a dry place. Psalm 63 and 1. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. There exists a certain anguish of the soul that can only be likened to the thirst. Thirst for when it gets its grip on you, it commands your full attention. It's not like the gentle pangs of hunger that can be brushed away and ignored. There's something about genuine thirst that drives a man to do whatever it takes to quench that desire. I want you to know tonight that there it does exist a thirsting in the soul that is like nothing else in this world. The soul has a capacity to feel a thirst for the presence of God. And nothing in this life will satisfy it. Psalms 143 and verse 6 says, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. We just came off a prayer 300. And my, what a great time we had. What God is looking for from New Life Fellowship Church is people that are thirsty for God's presence. People that are hungry for the things of God. People that are not satisfied with just a good service on Sunday morning or good service on Sunday night or a good life group on Wednesday. God's looking for people that will fall on their face Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and say, Lord, I'm thirsty again. I need something that will quench my thirst. But Isaiah said that Jesus Christ is that very river of water in a dry place that he came to satisfy the thirsting of our soul. He's not just a refreshing drink to the soul. He's not just a pitcher of refreshing. He is a river of water in a dry place. A river is continually flowing. A river is not a rain that fed a creek or a water runoff. A river is a mighty, powerful, lasting source of nourishment. It's not just a momentary flow issued from a temporary source. That there is a river that is always fresh. There is a river that is all uh, never will run dry. A cup can be emptied. A pitcher will will run out a cistern will dry up but a river is everlasting god said i was a cup in the old testament but i'm a river in the new testament what we need to stop living on is cupfuls of blessing and start operating in a river of refreshing Mm. that's what my god is to me He's the river of refreshing. The unique thing about a river is that it's hard to use up the water. This is why great towns in, in the old days, olden days, uh, would spring up around rivers and river crossings. Although the territories on both sides of the great Mississippi River were unsettled and wild, there were posts and forts in the beginnings of cities at places like Louisville, Kentucky, Memphis, Tennessee, As early as the journeys of Lewis and Clark because there is life and sustenance in a river. What you need and I need in our lives is found in the river. When I'm feeling lonely, I need a touch, a drink from the river. When I'm feeling hopeless and there's no help, I just need to go to the river. Ah, uh, because I understand that there is a God that loves me that can never run out of miracles, signs, and wonders. Hmm. That whatever I need now, whatever God did then, God's been reminding me the past couple weeks, the past this strongly this past week uh, that uh, I just become grateful after prayer 300 of where the Lord's brought me, what he's done for me. And I look back over my life and as struggles come and storms come here and now, and the burden is great as you acquire a family and, and you acquire uh, bills and mortgages and all these various things in your life, uh, there becomes a gratitude where we just want more and more and more and we fail to feel after God and say, Lord, you've done it before. But we God has been putting in my mind all this week, all this week I wake up And I think about the times that I didn't have anything and the Lord brought me through. Think about all the times I would leave on a Sunday night and go home and walk into that drug-filled trailer. I was thinking about the times that I would stand on the porch waiting for the van driver to come pick me up. Thank you, Sister Natasha, for what you do. For going out, taking time where you could come and fellowship. Thank you for going and picking up people that want to be in the house of God but don't have a way. I'm telling you, the river needs to go beyond the four walls. It needs to go beyond the north campus, beyond the south campus. It needs to go into the highways and the byways. There comes a river that's fr- out of us we say we're just waiting for a mighty revival and I'm fixing I'm a metal. so I'm waiting for a mighty revival to happen for God's spirit to come the Bible says know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost we're waiting for the revival but we are the revival What God is waiting for is us to stop being cups and us to stop being pitchers and just get our fill up and then by next Sunday we're all emptied out and we drag in. No, I'm not not pointing fingers. I'm just saying how it is at other churches. We drag in and we say, oh, music team, sing to me. And then we get our praise. Oh, Lord, we come up. We're like the little puppet on the street. We start down there. Oh, God, thank you, Lord. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. And then we end up shouting. And we go home and our picture's empty by next Sunday. But what the Lord wants from New Life Fellowship, say from me, uh, is he wants me to take what the Lord has put inside of me. His power, his spirit. And he wants me to let that river flow out of me. He wants me love to flow. He wants mercy to flow. He wants grace to flow. He wants compassion to flow. We're looking for revival. We are the revival because greater is he that's in you. Uh, Finally, Isaiah equates him to the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Once again, the allusion is made to the wilderness of the Middle East where the sun shows no mercy. It's hot, draining rays beat down on the traveler without ceasing. In that place, Isaiah says, the Lord shall be like the shadow of a rock in the hot burning desert. The only refuge to be found is in the shadow of a great rock. That's huge. Unmovable boulder that juts out From the hot desert sand. It's more than just a navigational landmark in the desert wasteland. It's a shelter and it's a refuge. In the shadow of that rock there is an escape from the unbearable heat of the hot desert sun. In that desolate place where there is no shelter. where To lie upon the hot sand is to be cooked on both sides by the burning heat of the sun. But the shadow of the rock is an incredible blessing. This is what the Messiah is, the man that Isaiah referenced. He is a rock that casts a shadow of refuge. A great rock is a fitting representation of Christ. It is used over and over in Scripture. He is a sure foundation to builders, a bulwark and a defense. He is a chief's cornerstone. He is the rock of ages. And like a rock, he is everlasting and unchanging. A great rock remains steadfast, unmovable, unbroken by the winds and the storms of life. It remains the same from age to age. In a changing world, there is some peace and shelter to be found in the shadow of an unchanging rock. The sun may beat down, but it doesn't change the rock. (laughs) Storms may come, but it doesn't change the rock. Years turns to decades, decades to centuries, but the rock remains unchanged. Throughout all of time, it is the faithful cast of a shadow that is continual shelter from the blazing sun. The traveler may return years from now or the generation that follows him may navigate on his instructions. And they can each count on the fact that the rock will remain on the shadow shadow of the refuge will still be there for all time. The shadow remains. Can I preach to our students for a moment? I think we ought to know what we believe inside and out more than any other song, any other book. I think we ought to know what we believe. I quiz my kids. We'll be riding down the road listening to Adventures in Odyssey. Anybody know what Adventures in Odyssey is? Yes. I love Adventures in Odyssey. My kids start talking about my, stop, I'm listening to my story. My kids will be enthralled in Adventures in Odyssey, and all of a sudden I'll stop and they'll go, Dad, what are you doing? I'm like, Quodax 238. Uh, uh, What? What? Catch him off guard. Then they begin to quote it. I said, quote Deuteronomy 6 and 4. They begin to quote it. Now push the button, start, Odyssey's back on. Like why would you do that? Because I don't want my kids to get caught up in so much entertainment and so much things that fill their mind and waste time that they don't know what they believe and who they believe in. If you're going to believe in something, believe in the word of God because it is a rock that has stood every test of time. It is a book that has no box. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Put your face in the book and know what it says because it will become your salvation we need to send a message to the elders that says we believe in Acts 2 38 we believe in repentance we believe in baptism in Jesus name we believe in the infilling of his spirit we believe that we know him in the fullness of his power in a changing world there is some peace and shelter to be found The sun may beat down, but it doesn't change anything about him. Because it's in him we find rest and refreshing. That of a weary traveler, we find that shadow of a great rock. Now, I'm an old soul, as many of you know. I know it's hard to believe that I'm 23. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'll be 41 on May 14th. And thank you, Jesus, my birthday doesn't fall on Mother's Day this year. It always does, like every three years. So I get to celebrate my wife. Because she's a mother. The old songwriter says, On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. There is a quiet rest and sweet refreshing in Jesus Christ. For those who are weary, he shall be the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. I've come to preach to you tonight, there is rest and relief in Jesus Christ. He is a covering after a long day in the punishing sun. The traveler that would find this covering finds a new strength and a fainting spirit of a man is revived and his life is of that of a sweet refreshing. This is what Christ is to us. He is the shadow of rest that calms the mind and soothes the soul. He's like a refreshing breeze of wind. He gives victory to the weary. He lifts up the hands to those that are weak and refreshes those that are exhausted. There's not a shelter constructed of a man's hands that you must pay to use. The wonder of a rock is free for all. It belongs to no man, yet it belongs to every man. Christ is that kind of shelter. No one has the corner on his shadow. It is free to all that desire to rest there. He calls us to come freely to rest in his shadow. The shadow is that place of refreshing. It's a place where I come and I get refreshed from my struggles and I get help because I feel helpless. It's not just a resting place, but a banquet house where I may find that rest and feast. The Bible says he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He's more than just a shelter. Hmm. He's a source of my renewing. I've come to preach to you tonight that whatever you're going through, that there is the refuge of a king. See, the psalmist lamented in Psalm 55, 6 through 8. He said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. For then I would fly away and I would be arrested. In other words, if I could get away from the storm. If I could get away from what God put me in. I believe so many times we're trying to escape where God put us when God wants us to stay so he can show himself strong. He says, then, lo, then I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Oh, if I could just have wings. Huh. I might escape all the struggles. Don't you know that wherever you go, struggle's gonna follow you? Hmm. Said if I could just grow some wings, I would just get away from this, this burning trial, this fiery trial that I'm going through. But we don't have wings of a dove, we can't escape the troubles of this life. We can't flee from the storm of the tempest, but the Bible says, but they that wait upon the Lord. They shall mount up uh, like the wings of eagles. I believe so many times we're busy flying with buzzards and God wants us to become eagles. (laughs) That'll hit you later. God wants to give you something more powerful that you can stay in your storm and you're gonna make it. They used to sing a song, I, it's an old song, You're gonna make it. You've got what it takes to live. And I, we also go, And I know that you're, you're gonna make it. You're, you're gonna make it just as long. As you and Jesus stay friends. Thank you, brother. (laughs) Woo! There's my confirmation. Jesus said two or three, but I'll take one. Because I'm not not the Lord. (laughs) Oh, now I'm thinking of the song, Where Do I Go. (laughs) I'm about to do a little medley here done encourage, I'm encouraging myself and the Lord as long as Brother Haman. <laughs> Never mind. Somebody, I wish somebody would just say, bless him, Lord. That means move on. <laughs> <laughs> Psalms 91 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place. Uh, Of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge. (laughs) And my fortress somebody needs to stand to your feet at some point in time in this week and you need to look the devil in the eye like the three little pigs did to the wolf and say you can huff and you can puff but you're not going to blow my house down because I've got a God that is a refuge and he is a fortress and the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous, I said the righteous, they run into we've got a God and his name is mighty his name is powerful somebody needs to run to the refuge of a king Shout, yeah. huh. Hmm. Ah. you may be seated I'm almost done hear me when I say that the enemy of our soul will continually cast doubt into our lives. He will seek to fill our minds with fear to hinder and to distract us. He will rejoice in the storm and glory in the tempest for He seeks to fill your mind with the concern and the burden of your soul with anguish. The devil wants to get you so bogged down that when you come in this place, you do feel helpless. You do feel lonely. You do feel like there is no hope. But God sent me today uh, on this first Sunday of February 2020 to tell you, keep pressing on. uh, Keep marching on. uh, Because there is a refuge of a king. The promise tonight, however, is that the soul that turns to God will find rest in Him. Colossians 3 and 11 says, Christ is all in all. I don't need anything else except Jesus. Because when I have Jesus, I've got it all. Mm. He's everything I need Him to be. He's a, He, when I need Him to be a Savior, God became a man. When I need him to uh, sacrifice for my sins, he laid down his life on a cross. Uh, when I needed him to give me life and hope, uh, he resurrected out of the grave. Uh, that was before I ensemble. I've come to preach to you tonight uh, that whatever you're going through, God's already been there. He's done that and he's got the t-shirt in his closet. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You think your situation surprises God? I'm sorry to tell you it does not. Whatever you're going through, the Lord said, yeah, I've been there before. I've taken care of that before. I've got to tell you that you've got something inside of you that wants to come out of you. It's a river of life. It's a river that will not dry up. So when you're weary, when you're wounded, when you're sad, look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. As you stand with me now, I'm coming to a close. A missionary shared the story of a driver of a wagon that was on his way to market. He saw a man walking on the side of the road, and when he overtook the man, carrying a heavy load upon his shoulders, taking compassion on him, the driver invited the elderly man to ride in his wagon with him, Gratefully, the old man accepted. In a few moments, the driver, as he continued down his journey with his newfound passenger, he turned to see how his friend was now doing. He looked over to notice the man, to his surprise, he found him sitting in the wagon, still straining under the heavy weight that he had been carrying. For even though the man saw him carrying a heavy load and weighted by the circumstance upon his shoulders, even though he offered him a ride and he put him in his vehicle, the man had not taken the weight off his shoulders. Sitting in a car with all the help, with a time of refreshing, a time we could take the proverbial load off, he sat in a uh, he sat in a place of restoration. He sat in a place of refuge. He sat in a place where he was going to get to just kick back and rest his feet and rest his back. For he had been walking a long while carrying the same heavy burden. But his mind had been so trained that this is just the way it's going to be. That this is just it. This is my lot in life. I've just got to carry this. That God can provide a a way, a vehicle, a, a, a very personal thing that would help Him, help you carry that burden. But yet we sit in the house of God and we carry a burden and a weight. I'm afraid that most of us are just the same. We come heavy laden under the weight of a burden. And the Lord comes in like a flood, like he has all service. And he says, I want to be a hiding place for you. I want to give you some refreshing for I am a river that will not run dry. I want to give you shadow, a place from the fiery trial that you're going through. But we adamantly insist on carrying our heavy load. We bring it into his hiding place. I want you to hear this preacher tonight, that the Lord has a desire to be your all in all. He wants to minister to you right here where you are. So I'm asking you to close your eyes all over the building, not one person looking. I feel a pulling of the Holy Ghost in this house. I'm asking who's going to be honest with God right now. Who's going to be honest with yourself and say, I've been carrying this burden. I've been coming into the church service after service. And this weight is upon me and I'm trying to worship, but I just can't get free of it. I'm, I'm wondering right now, who's going to be the first that will step out of your seat and say, God, I here's my load. You've provided a hiding place. You've provided a place of refreshing." Why don't you come and rest your heavy load in the arms of Jesus for a moment? Why don't you sit down at his feet and take shelter from the storm and drink from his refreshing and rest in the shadow of his mercy and grace? Hear me, because the Lord is our refuge. And he's right in this house right now. I feel him. You have a refuge of a king tonight. I wonder who's going to have enough faith to step out and say, I need God. Lord, I've been traveling this journey called life. I've been walking all alone, it seems, carrying a burden, a weight, carrying this thing, God, and I can't shake it. I can't get rid of the depression. I can't get rid of the anxiety. I can't get rid of the spirit of loneliness. But God, every service has come and He's picked you up and He's placed you by His side. And He says, ride with me, for I am the Lord. I am your help all the while we sit here with that bird and rested upon us <laughs> Lord I need you would the rest come would the rest come the altars are open and say that I have a refuge of a king tonight I don't want to carry a burden any longer I don't want to carry this thing that I came in this house with I want to give it to you tonight Lord